The reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. Let us be attentive. In those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists murmured against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the body of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint for this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolos, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands upon them. And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Peace be with you, all the readers. Arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Saint Mark. Let us be attentive. Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate wondered if he were already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph, And he brought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock. And he rolled the stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the door of the tomb? 
and looking up they saw that the stone was rolled back, for it was very large. And entering the tomb they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen, he is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had come upon them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Christ is risen. There was once a woman's great-grandson, and he asked her why she had so many wrinkles on her hands. I'm old, she told him. Do you know what happens when you get old? Her great-grandson asked her. You die, and they bury you in the ground. Before she could reply and say anything back, he added and he continued, but that's okay. God comes and unburies you. That's okay. God comes and unburies you. Here is the Paschal message in all its force from the innocent mouth of an innocent soul. Indeed, my brothers and sisters in Christ, it is okay. God will come and unbury us. When we think about the preaching of the apostles concerning this divine rescue plan of God for our salvation, we often think of a few critical elements, such as the birth of Christ, certainly his crucifixion, and his resurrection. What is sometimes overlooked, however, is that the tomb the grave of Christ itself is a critical part of God's divine plan. In one of the most concise statements of, let's say, what the gospel is, St. Paul says the following in his first epistle to the Corinthians. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he was seen by Kephas, then by the twelve 
Then he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 6. The fact that Jesus was buried in a tomb is essential to the apostolic message which St. Paul himself received from those who were apostles before him. In the creed, we even emphasize who suffered and was buried. But why such emphasis on the burial of Jesus in a tomb? Well, first of all, that the Christ would be buried in a tomb was necessary, as it was prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures. We know the great story that Jonah was in the belly of the sea monster for three days, prefiguring Jesus as being laid in the tomb himself for three days. There was also a very interesting verse about the future Messiah in the book of Isaiah, which reads as follows. He made his tomb with the rich in his death. And we know that Joseph of Arimathea, who was a rich man and who owned his own new tomb, into which he laid the body of Christ. Even the sun itself, when it became dark at noonday, when Jesus was crucified, showed that its creator would soon himself be placed in the darkness of a tomb. And the tomb shows us, of course, the very reality of Christ's death and burial. The gospel tells us that it was, again, a new tomb in which no other body had ever been laid. This way we know that it could not have been anyone else but Jesus who rose from that particular new grave. It was also not the Savior's tomb. It belonged to someone else because he died for the salvation of others. As we just heard in the gospel reading, the women who had seen where Jesus was placed went to early Sunday morning to anoint his body with their precious spices. St. Mark beautifully puts it this way, very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Little did they know that indeed the sun had risen. Not the physical sun, but the prophetic son of righteousness, the son of God, had risen and was not to be found any longer in that tomb, as the angel told them. And with this particular and emphatic joy in their hearts, in amazement and with awe, the woman returned to proclaim to the disciples that Jesus had risen and that he would be with them again in Galilee. So my brothers and sisters in the Lord, do we do this beautiful thing in the same way? Do we return to our homes, to our schools, or to our jobs with this joy that the myrrh-bearing women received in us? Do we go out into the Galilee of the Gentiles, the unbelieving world, with the good news of the risen Christ? We should become ourselves like those jars of sweet-smelling spices which the women brought to the tomb, bearing within us the fragrance of the news of the risen Christ. 
bringing it to all whom we encounter. Our souls should radiate like flasks of their bright oils, having received our Lord within us and having witnessed the empty tomb and beheld the risen Jesus. We know that out there the enemies of God would have preferred to keep Jesus buried in oblivion. Many do not want to hear the commandments of God and wish that the light would have remained hidden in the darkness of a tomb. But this is impossible. A grave cannot contain the immortal one. Death cannot contain life. Silence cannot silence the eternal word who became flesh. In fact, a certain author has written the following about Jesus Christ and the effects he has had throughout time. He said, throughout history, there has never been a person about whom so much has been written. Throughout history, there has been no other person to whom such a quantity of works of art has been dedicated. Musical works have been dedicated to Jesus Christ. Of no single person has so much been spoken as has been said and continues to be said of Jesus Christ. No other figure in human history has been the subject of so much scholarly research, he says. Truly, my beloved, 2,000 years after Jesus Christ came into this world, walked upon this very earth, we sense the prophetic power of the words that conclude the Gospel of John. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they should be written, every one of them, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. There was an incident in the early 1920s when the communist leader Nikolai Bukharin was sent from Moscow to Kiev to address an anti-God rally. For an hour he abused and he ridiculed the Christian faith until it seemed as if the whole structure of belief itself had been crushed to ruins. Then questions were invited. An Orthodox priest arose and he asked to speak. He turned around, he faced the people, the whole multitude, and then he gave the Paschal greeting, Christ is risen. Immediately the assembly arose to its feet and the reply came back loud and clear, truly he is risen. He still moves stones, brothers and sisters. Nothing can contain the truth and the undeniable reality of the resurrection of Christ. Nothing can deny the power of the living God. Not persecutions, not communism, not nihilism, not atheism, not unbelief, not sorrow, not grief, not anxiety, not guilt, not sin, not death. As a certain poem tells us, Tomb, thou shalt not hold him longer. Death is strong, but life is stronger. Stronger than the dark is the light. Stronger than the wrong is the right. Faith and hope triumphant say, Christ will rise on Easter day. 
So as the myrrh bearers approached the tomb with courage and in fear and trembling, but with awe in their hearts, that first Sunday morning and received the news of Jesus' resurrection, let us also now receive him who left the tomb empty and worship him who is truly risen from the dead. Amen. <laughs>